Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. She's the CEO and founder of the Uncensored Society, entrepreneur, podcast host, and award-winning author. It's Kay Suther. How are you doing today, Kay? Hey, Alex. Oh my God. I am doing amazing today. I'm so glad to be here on your show. Thanks for inviting me. We're so excited to have you on the show and talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do first is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Oh my goodness. Okay, all I can say is get ready. <laughs> so um, I'm actually based in the UK, born and brought up in UK, London. Um, and God, what, what, I, what was I doing when I was younger? What wasn't I doing? <laughs> um, so I remember very, very early on when people were telling me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And honestly, I had no idea, no clue what I wanted to be when I grew up. All I did know is I wanted to be rich. And that was my <laughs> answer. Right? How that was going to happen, when it was going to happen. I had no clue. And so that brings me to the point where most of my 20s, I was going from job to job to job to job to job right? Because I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. And even, oh my goodness, even when I was in college and I was picking a university to go to, I had no idea. I literally, and any parent that listens to this is going to be like, oh my goodness, she didn't, right? I just went, I remember going to the college library and I had a list of all the different universities in front of me. And literally, I scrolled my screen, closed my eyes, and just pointed at the screen. And whatever my (laughs) finger landed on was what I studied, right? And it happened to be law and criminology. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. Because I had no clue what to pick. And so um, I passed, you know, went through uni, did all that, got my qualifications. Now I was like, okay, great. What job am I going to get? Again, I mean, I've gone through high school, college, uni, And I still had no idea what I wanted to do. All I know is everything that I studied, I didn't like. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So there's no way I was going to find a career in anything that I studied. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting from scratch. And so I thought, okay, let me see how it works out. I'm working a magistrate's court because I studied law, right? Did all of that. And my supervisor, I think after a month, said to me, I don't think this job is suited for you. Maybe you need to look for something else, right? And the reason for that is because what I learned in uni about law and how things should work, I realized very quickly in my first job that it doesn't work like the textbooks tell us. Nope. Right? And so where I'm sitting in these cases and I'm like, oh my goodness, that person should get locked up. Right, they're getting fines. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me, right? Uni and textbooks told us one thing, but something completely different is happening in the real world. Now, what is going on here? And so I remember going home frustrated and annoyed and confused. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working out for me. I need to find something else. And so I did things like uh, I was a hairdresser for a little while. Decided I didn't like that because I like cutting people's hair the way the way I wanted to, not the way they wanted me to cut their hair, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and then I became a youth worker, a youth worker for deaf children because I studied sign language. 
Um, I became an MMA fighter. Oh my God, absolutely love beating the heck out of people. So much fun, right? <laughs> but um, then I realized there were certain things that were happening on my journey. Certain things where I guess when I look back and reflect, they were happening for me, not to me. Because they were trying to direct me in the direction that I should be going down, right? And so where I finally found like, oh my God, my career, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. I love doing this. I was training hard. And then my coach said to me that I'm ready, that I'm ready for my first fight. I was so excited, right? And he goes to me on top of that, he goes to me, your first fight is going to be in Thailand. I was like, oh my goodness, like, could it get any better, right? So I trained even harder. And then it happened. I ended up in hospital. Oh. I dislocated my shoulder, my collarbone, my hip, my ankle, my knee. And what I didn't realize and how damaging all of this was is that I completely um, had it crunched my spine. Right. So it was all over the place. And the doctor said to me, if you continue doing this, then you can end up paralyzed. Like it's going to happen. So now I'm there thinking, holy crap, I can't do this anymore. I've got to start all over again and figure this out all over again. Right. No idea now what I'm going to do. Didn't have a plan B. Didn't even have a plan A. Right. I just kind of fell into this. And so I stopped doing MMA. Um, I was like in a collar because I couldn't move my neck or anything like this. Right. And I had to recover. And then I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And then um, after I recovered a few months later, I decided, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. Um, And just for a joke, an absolute joke, I didn't even think this would even transpire. I applied to be a police officer. Oh. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right? And it's just something that came up online. I was just looking online for different jobs out there. And I was like... Let me apply for it. You know, they might say no in the end. It doesn't matter. Let's just do it for a laugh and see how far I can get, right? And applied for it. They sent me all these forms, you know, like vetting forms to vet me and my family and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, let me fill this out and send that off. Um, And then a few weeks later, they sent me a letter saying that, oh, you're invited for a day one assessment. And I'm like, should I go? And I was telling my mom, should I go or should I just just ignore it she goes well go and see what it's like you're not going to lose anything so I was like okay all right so let me uh, let me go down there and see how it is and it was a whole day assessment a nine to five whole entire day like it was intense there was hundreds of people there because there was this huge campaign to employ as many um, police officers as they can right so there was hundreds of people there and so it was um you know, we had to do two role plays. They were intense. I mean, they told you, go and stand in front of that door. When the buzzer goes off, you open that door, walk in, and you've got to deal with whatever comes at you in that room. Right? And so you don't know what's going to happen. And so I stood there. Buzzer went off, walked in. And I had this guy. He was like seven feet tall. Right? Now, you can't see. Um, on this podcast but I'm actually four foot 11 
right so this guy was like double my size <laughs> and he started screaming and shouting and hollering and yelling and was just like all over the place and then I looked around and I saw there was a lady assessing me with a stopwatch and she wanted to see how long it would take me to calm this gentleman down right and I was like oh my goodness so I eventually calmed him down, sat him down, took a statement, found out what was going on, all this kind of stuff. And then the assessor said to me, okay, your time's up. You can leave now. I'm like, okay, all right. So I walked out the door and then there was another officer. He goes, right, now you've got to stand by that door, wait for the buzzer and walk in. So now I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this huge guy to come at me, right? So the buzzer went, walked in. It was a completely different scenario. Now I had this young little woman crying because her son's got lost in a shopping mall. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Again, there was a lady with a stopwatch in the corner, seeing how long it's going to take me to calm this lady down. And so I did the same, you know, calm her down, told her it's going to be all right. You know, took a description of what her kid looks like, what his name is. You know, where was the last time she saw him, all this kind of stuff. And then when my time was up, the lady said to me, okay, your time's up, you can leave, right? So that was one thing. And then you have to do like a written assessment. You got to write a letter to the commissioner. They want to see what your writing style is like and whether you can write professionally, you know, something that makes sense. And then again, you have someone with a stopwatch, right? This is a scenario. You got to write to the commissioner. You've got like 20 minutes to write a letter, right and so that's that and I guess that comes from because as police officers we're constantly writing statements right Mm -hmm. witness statements statements at the scene like that we're constantly doing a lot of write-up so they want to see that and so then that happened and then there was a one-to-one interview not like any interview I've ever been to before (laughs) like they had a binder in this binder they had got about eight different questions And then this lady, the one that was interviewing me, had a stopwatch. And so she would read the question and then have the stopwatch and be like, you got four minutes to answer, go. And I'm like, holy crap. Okay, so I'm like, I'm just spitting out words now, right? (laughs) I don't even know if any of this is making sense. And then um, she goes, okay, you've got a minute and a half. Got anything else to say? I'm like, uh... Uh, no I guess not you know and then they go to the next question again with a stop clock and so it was so freaking intense throughout the entire day I was exhausted I was done like mentally I was like okay I'm done I don't think I did very well because I was saying words but they had no substance (laughs) right (laughs) and so I was like okay that's me done they're gonna tell me that you know you're, you're no good for this sorry but goodbye you know, and a few weeks went past and I got a letter and they've gone to me, oh, you've passed day one assessment with 76%. And I'm like, holy crap. And now they're like, okay, we want you to come in for your day two assessment. <laughs> day two, yeah. Day two assessment was like the entire physical where they check your eyesight, your hearing, do your swab. You know, you've got to do the bleed test and do the running and pick up pick up 35 kilos 
right? Keeping in mind at that time, I was 70 kilos. So that was half my weight. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm like, holy crap, how am I going to do this? But they gave you a few weeks to train up. So I was at the gym like every day running and picking up these weights and stuff like that. But I'm not going to lie, the weights, I struggled. I str- I'm I'm not a big person, I'm a petite person. And so when I do weights, they're little weights. They're not going to be half my weight, right? So this was so challenging for me. And so I remember I did my training. I did the best that I could, um, got better and better because I was picking up, you know, um, heavier weights and running a lot more of a distance and all this kind of stuff. So I now got better and I went to day two. Um, did the hearing, did the eyesight, did the swab, all good. And then it came to the physical, did the bleep test. Now, I don't know if you know how the bleep test works, but you're running from one point to the other and you've got to keep up with the bleeps. But as you're getting tireder, the bleeps are getting faster, right? So you got to keep up with it, even though you're getting exhausted. Um, But past that, that was fantastic. And then it came to the weights, and had to pick up 35 kilos. I tried, Alex, I tried so hard. And in my class, and I had, I think about 12 people in my class, I was the only one that failed because I couldn't pick up 35 kgs, right? And so I remember the police officers there, you know, uh, there was two female police officers, but they were built like wrestlers. They were huge women, right? And um, they told the class, they're like, everyone's dismissed, go home. And they were like, you, you stay behind. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in trouble now. So everyone walked out, got their bags, their coats. They all left. They passed. They know what's going to happen next. I was there. And she goes to me, you're going to do this again. I'm like, okay. And then what did she do? She got in my face, told me how pathetic I am, how worthless I am, how no one is going to be able to take me seriously on the streets. How the hell do I dare even applying, right? Got up in my face, started screaming and shouting, told me to start picking up these weights while she was screaming in my face. I was fuming. I was going red. I wanted to punch her one, but I knew I couldn't punch a police officer. It wouldn't be a good look for me, right? And then all of a sudden, she pat me on the shoulder. She goes, stop. I'm like, okay. And she goes, look at your screen. While she was screaming and shouting, I managed to pick up 35 kgs and passed. Wow. Yes. Right. And then she goes to me, I knew you could do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm now leaving, like fuming. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. <laughs> right. And so that's how I ended up passing. And so all of a sudden, then I got suited and booted for a uniform. It was so funny because they had to custom my um, custom make my met vest because it was so diddy. They were like, we don't have a bit they're small enough for your size right like it really like it was so small they didn't even have name uh, a place to put my name badge on it was that tiny and so um you know went through all that and then was a police officer for six and a half years so I did that for a long time and then like I said you know things happen for you not to you mm-hmm. and so I was a police officer for six and a half years and then it happened again one morning I woke up 
I went to sleep the night before perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with me whatsoever that I was aware of. I jumped in the shower. As soon as the hot water touched my skin, my body started burning. So I jumped back out and went straight to the mirror and found that my entire body had come out in a rash overnight. No idea how or why or what was going on. And so I, my brother rushed me to the hospital and um, had all these tests and everything done to find out what was going on. And I remember waiting in the consultation room for my doctor to come in with my results. And as I sat there, he opened the door, took one step in, looked straight at me, and he said, you were lucky to get here when you did. And I was like, what do you mean? What's going on? And he goes, if you didn't get here when you did, your throat would have closed up. And so at that point, I'm thinking, holy crap, what if my throat closed up while I was asleep? I've never woken up the next morning. Yeah. And so I continue kind of saying to him, like, how did this even happen? Where does it come from? And he goes, well, this form of rash is brought on when your body is overly stressed. And so I didn't realize how much stress I was putting on my body because of my job, because it's mentally, physically, and emotionally draining mm-hmm. to be in that position, especially when you're around negativity 24-7. Right. There's nothing positive about it apart from catching the bad guy. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Right. And so I was like, damn, I'm like, I've got to quit this job now. Right. I thought I I found you found a career that I'm going to stick to and retire. But no, it didn't work out that way. And I was like, okay, I I got to quit because now my life is on the line, which is so ironic because I thought my life would be on the line while I was on the line of duty, not when I'm in bed at home right and so that was ironic to me and so I decided to quit my job now I didn't have another plan I had no idea what I was going to do next right but I got to a point where I was like okay I've got enough money for six months right I'm going to just chill out figure this out you know make sure my body's back on point again um and then then look for a job and see what happens right and so I left on Friday and I remember my friend calling me up and she goes, okay, I've got an event um, in central London today. Why don't you come down and network and mingle and speak to all these different people here? And I was really like, you know what? I can't be bothered. I'm done. Like I just quit my job. I want to go home. I don't really want to speak to anybody right now. And she was like, look, just come down. If you don't like it, then just leave. So I was like, all right, fine. So I went down and I did what anyone else does when you go to these events I walked in and went straight to the bar and ordered a drink, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, I was looking around and I realized, I was like, oh my goodness, there's all these people here, all suited and booted, tie and suit and shirt, accountants, bankers, you know, I was like, this really isn't my scene. So anyway, I was there at the bar waiting for my drink to get done. And this gentleman came over to me and started asking me these questions. And it was strange because I'm like, this is a weird pickup line. He was asking me things <laughs> like, you know, what my qualifications are, what work experience do I have? What are my passions? What do I want to do? And, I, and I'm answering all these questions. And all of a sudden I went, wait, hold on a second. Who are you? And he goes to me, oh, I'm a member of parliament and I would love to have you on my team. Oh, 
yeah i was like what he goes i work for liberal democrat right which is a political party there was an election going on at the time and he goes i would love for you to be my campaign manager because you've got the skills that i'm looking for and i'm like i've never been a campaign manager i've never done anything like this he goes it doesn't matter he goes you've got the skills you can learn on the job wow i'm like okay and he's like when can you start i'm like when do you need me and he goes, well, let me get the paperwork done and I'll give you a call to my details. And so I left on the Friday and then I started that job on the following Tuesday. And so I was like, okay, this is a little crazy. So now I'm working in politics. Alex, I didn't last very long in politics at all, right? Because I found out that in politics, there's more criminals than there are in the prison systems. <laughs> <laughs> and it true. didn't work for me at all and so I was there for about a month and then I just left I was like this doesn't work right but I learned a lot about politics and oh my god it is completely a dirty game it is insane um and so now I'm like okay square one again right and I'm like okay at this point I kind of decided that I wanted to work in live events right get to speak to a load of people you get to meet people there and guess what is a positive environment to be in not like being a police officer or working in politics you know people want to be there they're excited it's so much different but that's what I'm going to do and guess what people started telling me no one's going to employ you you ain't got no experience you got no qualifications you have no idea what you're doing no one in their right mind is going to employ you. So I was like, watch me. I'm going to do events. And guess what? I'm going to be international, right? I'm going to be doing live events internationally. And people are like, you're living in your own little bubble. Like, you need to make sure you come back to reality, you know? And I was like, I refuse. I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it or get there, but this is what I'm going to be doing. And so... At that time, I had a personal trainer because now my body was going all over the place. I had to get a personal trainer to make sure I fix whatever's going on in my body, right? Mm-hmm. And so my personal trainer goes to me, she goes, um, have you ever been to a seminar? And I'm like, seminar? I'm like, like, the ones you go to when you go to uni? And she goes, no, a seminar like when you have an expert talking about a particular topic on stage and actually teaching you about that topic. And I was like, that sounds like uni to me. And she was like, no, no, no. She goes, you've got to come. You've got to come to an event and just check it out and see what it's like. So I'm like, okay. She goes, there's an event in London by Dr. Martini talking about mindset. And at that time, when someone said to me mindset, it just sounded like woo-woo to me. I'm like, okay, this is just nuts. Like mindset, like, you know, what is all that about? My mind is fine. And so we went down to this seminar Watch Dr. Martini talk about uh, mindset and all this other stuff, which is really quite interesting because there was a lot of stuff. I had no clue, you know, what was involved in all of this. And then I remember my personal trainer goes to me when I got there. She goes, I hope you don't mind, but I asked a friend along as well. So I go, yeah, no problem, more the merrier. And so I met this friend and um, we sat down, we spoke. And again, she goes to me, what is your work experience like? What have you been doing? What's your qualifications? Right? What do you want to do? And I was telling her how I want to get involved in events and I want to do it internationally. Like, I don't have no qualifications. I have no experience, but this is really what I want to do. 
And she goes, oh, that's interesting. I go, why is that interesting? She goes, because I work for a company and we're starting the events department up and we're trying to build it up. And I think you'd be awesome for the position. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, let me take your details. We've got an event coming up in London. Um, I can let you know when the event happens, you can come and meet the team and management. And I'm thinking, okay. And I'm like, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm never going to hear from this person again. That things like this really don't happen. It's happened once. It doesn't keep happening to you, right? And so anyway, a couple of weeks passed and she messaged me. She messaged me the address to this hotel. And she goes, just get there, meet the team, speak with them. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So I went down there. I was like, I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing going on right now. Why not? Went there and found out it was actually an American company. The team were American and they all flew down to London for this particular event. And um, I was speaking with them. But the one great thing is a lot of Americans love the British accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so me talking away, they were loving it, right? <laughs> and so I ended up speaking to the management team for four hours straight. Just about different things, different ideas that I have, what I've been doing, what my plan is and everything. And they go to me, when can you start? And I was like... Round two again. (laughs) I know, right? And I was like, well, I I can start as soon as possible. I'm not doing anything right now. And I go to them, but you do realize I have no experience or qualifications in this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they go, look, are you willing to learn? So I go, yeah, they go, as long as you're coachable, then that's all we need to know. So I'm like, okay, perfect. And then they said to me, what are you doing in two days? I go, well, I haven't got anything planned. And they go, all right, perfect. You need to have your bags packed and make sure you're at the airport in two days because your first event is going to be in Malaysia. (laughs) Right? So I'm like, okay, I'm like, what about hotels? What about flights? I'm like, don't worry, the company's paying for it all in organizer. You just got to make sure you're at uh, at the airport. So now I'm doing events, trained on events, and I'm international, right? And I have no idea how to do this. And I was doing it for five years, living out of a suitcase, going from country to city to country to city, right? Not being in one place long enough to do anything but these events. But the great thing about it was these events were all business events, right? Where experts and gurus were talking on stage about different aspects of business, sales, marketing, Facebook ads, YouTube, you know, all this great stuff that you need to know about business. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually listening to these experts that have been doing it and they're multimillionaires. So it was, that was great to be in that environment because it complete change from being, you know, as a police officer or in politics. And so I was like on top of my game. I felt like... Things couldn't get any better. And so within four months in this company, they promoted me as event manager, right? And I I thought they were insane because I was like, really? Are you sure you want to do that? They promoted me as event manager. And then I decided that I was to learn back of room sales. Like I was seeing like some of the team doing back of room sales and I want to learn how to do that. And so I started with, you know, small ticket items, 
So like the $500, the 997, and then gradually progressed and then started selling $60,000 packages, $100,000 packages. And then within about a year and a half, became the number one closer in the company. Wow. Yes. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I'm traveling all over the world, flights, hotels, expenses, all paid for, plus getting paid on top right? And being able to learn, learn about business, learn sales, becoming the number one closer, event manager. I'm like, it couldn't get any better. And then the CEO called me up one day and he goes to me, Kay, I've just bought a resort in Costa Rica where our mastermind events are going to be held. So I'm like, awesome. He goes, I want you to be part of the team over there. Would you mind going over there maybe for a few months and helping the team out closing at these mastermind events? Now, these mastermind events were where these 60K, 100K clients were going to, right? So it wasn't small events. They were huge events. And guess what? It was like a holiday camp because <laughs> they would send clients snorkeling, ziplining. Guess what? We got to go too, right? And, you know, kayaking. And doing all these crazy things that you wouldn't normally do. And I'm like, and this is work? (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all wish that was our work? I know. And then, like, he said to me, look, we're going to, you know, book your flights, pay for your flights. We're going to have you in your own apartment. We're paying for the apartment. you got your own chauffeur that's going to take you to your apartment, to the resort, and vice versa, and pay for your food. You know, but you just got to make sure that you organize, do these sales at these events, look after the clients and all of that good stuff. And I'm like, why would I say no? Well, you you talked earlier about how when you were growing up, you just wanted to be rich. And the way that you're you're explaining this job, it's almost like you're living that lifestyle, but you're enjoying what you're doing. You're still getting paid on top of it, but you got this company that's paying for everything for you and that they see the value in what you're able to offer them. And not only that, but they're willing to put the time and energy into helping you progress. Yeah. Right. And a normal nine to five job doesn't do that. And that's where I realized there's a difference between having a job and a boss and have and working in an environment where it's about business and having leaders. Mm hmm right so bosses don't really care for your progression they just want you to do what you have to do what's in your job description right and if you talk outside of your job description they'll tell you that it's above your pay grade oh yeah i i've definitely experienced that before and it's like or you'll get the time where it's not even on the job description and they're telling you you got to do this and you're like when did this come Like how, why am I doing this? And that's the part that I think that you hit right on the nail is I like when someone puts the time and the effort and values and helps me grow instead of this is your job. You're only going to do this. It's like, I'm at an age where I got a lot to look forward to. So I have a lot of goals that I want to succeed and accomplish. And if I'm just doing this baby steps, it's like, I'm not going to get anywhere. And That's what I tell some people that it's like, how do I get to here? Like, give me all the tools, but it's just Costa Rica, man, I'm just, (laughs) that just sounds, what kind of events? So these were just like, 
I mean, I, the seminars I understand because I've been to a few. Were there, are they different than any person that can put a seminar on? Or was there something that this company does that kind of showcases who they are as a company? So what this company did was, first, first of all, they had very influential people um, as speakers, as guests, as experts coming on board, right? That could show that they've made millions using this method, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, God, th- this company was a marketing company, so they marketed and sold very well. <laughs> right? They knew how to do that. And not only that, but they were also an affiliate company. So they showed people that we can help you make money as well if you come and join us. Right, so we'll show you how to do it. You can do it, and you'll be an affiliate with us, and you're going to earn these commissions. And the kind of commissions they were giving, no other company gives that higher commissions. Wow! Right, so they did everything the right way. Mm-hmm. And just to go back to your point where you're saying about, you know, p- people saying that it's above your pay grade. So when people said that to me, I remember I, I was just shut up. I was like, okay. It's above my pay grade, okay. And then when they did exactly that and told me to do a task that was outside my job description, guess what I would say to them? Sorry, it's um, out of my pay grade. Oh. <laughs> oh. See, I would be afraid to say that. <laughs> I wasn't. I, now, in my 20s, um, I was very, I was outspoken. And I just said it how it was. I, I still am like that, but now I have a little bit more tact. Mm-hmm. In my 20s, I was not tactful at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so if that's what you're telling me, when it comes back around, I'm going to use those same words, right, that you told me. And if you say, if you say anything to me, then I'll be like, well, that's what you told me. Remember when we had that conversation? That is, is that not how it works? Right? And so me and bosses we clashed constantly right because you know bosses don't like being told right don't like yeah so it we clash constantly never got on and then there's a whole other story about that because i then joined employment union and took employers management to the union and all that good stuff happened (laughs) and tribunals You know, and so I learned about employment law um, in the real world, about how that works, what I need to do, collecting evidence, all that good stuff, right? And so um, in the end, management and HR learned to keep their distance and be careful of what they said. Because <laughs> then, um, yeah, I, I, I learned the right way on how to go about and working with management, right? And what they can get away with and what they can't. And so the minute you know, uh, you know, you gain the knowledge, people get scared. Yeah. Right. So that was my tactic because I was like, there's no way I'm going to get fired. I'm the one that's going to decide when I want to leave, not you. Right. And so then I decided that I'm going to have to learn about employment law and get back in with the union and become a union representative in the company right um uh, and just get security that way until i'm ready to leave so that's what i did um but going back to costa rica so i was in costa rica i was meant to be there for about four to six months see how it goes if i like it then i'll stay if not then i'll just come back home again and then it happened again alex (laughs) i was there for three weeks 
all of a sudden, this company shut down. Oh. Yeah. I'm now in a foreign country. Don't speak the language. Being evicted from my apartment because the company's been shut down and can no longer pay for it. No longer have food. No longer have water because the company was paying for all of that. And then on top of that, didn't get paid for the work that I did and lost out on $20,000. Oh, no. Oh. And so as I sat there realizing, holy crap, I'm homeless in a foreign country, no food or water. What the heck am I going to do? I couldn't stop but laugh to myself. I was laughing and laughing because I was like, this is such a ridiculous situation to be in. And what a 360. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so as I sat there laughing, my colleagues were there and they were pulling at their hair. They were crying. They were frustrated. They were annoyed, you know, and they were looking at me. They're like, why are you laughing? Do you not realize what's just happened? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm laughing because it's so silly. And so I said to them, I go, but when you think about the Tony Robbins of the world, the Les Browns of the world, they were all homeless at one point and now they're multimillionaires. So do you know what that means? That means I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But because I had that different perspective and because I wasn't in the whole negative emotion, Mm-hmm. I was able to think outside the box, get creative and figure out how the hell I'm going to get out of this situation now. Yeah. And so what I did is because I've been at so many of these events and I've learned so much about sales, about marketing, about branding, promotions, I decided that I was going to go to the resort manager in Costa Rica. The resort was still open right? Because the resort was set up as a separate entity to the actual main business that was feeding this resort. But now this resort had bills, had staff to pay, but now didn't have no money coming in. And so I went to the resort manager and said to her, look, you still have this resort, you still got bills to pay, you still got staff to pay. Let me help you promote and market this resort so you can get clients coming in. So you have money coming in so you can keep this resort going. In return, I need food, I need water, and I need shelter. And I go, right now, you've got no clients. You've got so many rooms. You can just give me one of those. And so because of everything, and I showed her, I got my laptop and I showed her what I can do, how it can be done. You don't need money for this. Everything is online. We can just do it and get it done. And because she knows that, you know, hiring a coach to do this for her will cost thousands of dollars. And all I was asking for was food, water and shelter. She was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And so I was able to do that for, you know, about a month. And then I decided, hold on a second. If I can do it for this resort, I can do it for other businesses. Yep. And then I decided on the coast, I went to the different hotels, the different restaurants and pitched them the same thing and show them how to do it. But this time in exchange for money, so I can raise the money to get a flight back home. And I did that for about 
a month, just over a month, but under about five weeks, say, maybe. Um, and eventually managed to do all of that, got clients in, help them get money, you know, bring money in um, and then raise enough money to then get a flight back out, which I did. Um, but if I if I wasn't able to have a different perspective on this situation, right, and realize, holy crap, I'm going to be a multimillionaire now rather than how the hell am I going to get out of this situation? I've got nowhere to live. I've got no food and cry in a corner. I wouldn't have been able to come up with a solution that works in order to get out of the situation, right? And so I realized that if I can do this, if I can go from being homeless to then starting my own business, right? And to be fair, it wasn't until I got to the point where I was homeless that I realized what my capabilities were and how much I had learned at these events Mm -hmm. and was able to now put it into practice with real life businesses. And so I ended up coming back to the UK after that. And then I thought, holy crap, like I, I can do this stuff. Right. And then because I had so many different connections and, you know, being in events, you know, that is a lot of networking and meeting new people and stuff. And I had built up such a huge Rolodex where I just started getting on calls and started saying to people, look, this is the situation. This is what's just happened to me. I've just come back to London. I'm looking for work. You know, what can you do for me? Do you know anybody out there that's looking for, you know, what I do? You know what I do. I've been working with you for years and eventually I got someone say to me, okay, there's someone in um, bar, um, oh, sorry, in Australia who has a business, who's doing really well, is making like a million dollars a year, which is awesome. He has a team, but he wants to build out and scale his events department. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. I know all about that. All <laughs> right. I can totally do that. And so flew over there um set up processes procedures trained up the team hired more more people on the team um just organized it make sure it flowed make sure it made sense um and managed all of that and then had so many more events than what he was actually doing I think he was doing something like one a month and I was like no we're gonna have one every week (laughs) right in different countries different cities we're gonna have one every week and so <laughs> we went from place to place to place to place. And where he was making a million dollars in a year, he made his first million in four months. And then by wow. the end of the year, he tripled his money. Right? And at that point, that's when I was like, holy crap, why the hell am I doing this for other people and not for myself? Right? And I was like, I need to get into business for myself. And that's where Uncensored Society was birthed at that point. And so the reason why it's called Uncensored Society is because where I was doing all these different events, I realized there was a gap, a huge gap in the industry. And the gap was there's so many coaches and consultants that are tapping their clients on the shoulder and telling them it's going to be all right. Don't worry. And I'm like, it's not going to be all right until you do something about it. (laughs) Right. And so just like the way I have been coached and I realized the coaches and mentors that I had that were in my face and telling me to get my head out of my ass, right, 
were those ones where I progressed so much more quicker, mm-hmm. right? And made change a lot more quicker. Just like the example I gave you with a police officer that was in my face right if she wasn't in my face and and I didn't get annoyed I would not have passed and I would have been the only one that failed in that entire class and so therefore when I tried out these different mentors and coaches I realized those ones that were telling me it's going to be okay I didn't find much results yep right but those ones I got in my face the results were like amazing like more than what I would have thought and so I decided that Uncensored Society is going to be a coaching program that does exactly that, right? We're based on getting people the results that they're looking for. We don't deal with excuses or BS. And if you are going to give me excuses and BS, then I am not the coach for you because I'm going to tell you, you need to find another coach. I'm not the one for you. And, you know, if you are going off track, And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're not meeting deadlines and giving excuses, then I am going to get in your face and tell you what the hell are you doing? You know, like you're telling me you have dreams. I don't want to know about these dreams. These dreams need to be obligations. The minute they're obligations, that's when you have no excuse but to make sure you achieve them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Uncensored Society, the coaching program is all about. And we do actually focus on five main pillars of business, which is sales, marketing, finance, operations, and leadership. We cover all of those things and all of them go hand in hand with each other, especially as you're growing and scaling your business. And people say to me, which one's more important? And I go, they're all important. I go, in the beginning when you're first starting out, marketing yourself and promoting is key. Because if no one knows you and you are the biggest secret out there, then your business is never going to work. But yet when you're then scaling and you're hiring, guess what? Leadership and operations then become important too, right? So it depends on what stage you are in your business that we start looking at what's priority right now, right? But all of them are equally as important because they're all needed in business. Um, And so, yeah, that's where... Um, all of that kind of birth from what would you say is the biggest thing you learned about yourself through your whole different paths that you've taken um that I am completely adaptable and flexible uh no matter what you throw at me whatever it will be I will find a solution I will adapt and I will make sure I'm I I can just you know I'm flexible to whatever that situation is that's why I was able to do so many different jobs that were completely different to each other because I could just switch skills right Mm -hmm. and I was willing to learn I'm not gonna be like okay I don't know how to do that so I'm not gonna do it I'm like no I don't know how to do that but that's another opportunity to gain a new skill let's do it so I think that's what my uh my biggest realization was that no matter what you give me I am going to find a way to to make sure that not only am I good at it and I can do it but I'm going to be great at it do you feel that you needed to go through these different careers to get to where you are today or if you stayed at the one career like the police officer longer or you actually didn't injure yourself and became that MMA fighter 
do you think your path would be completely different or do you have no regrets on anything you've done and you've enjoyed learning and getting to where you are because it showed a lot about you? Yeah, so I have no regrets at all. Um, I think the only regret, I said I would have one regret. Well, the only regret is that I didn't realize this sooner, right? Yeah. But everything that I've been through in the different career paths I've had has added a new skill a skill that I didn't realize you know how important it would be in business so now all these different things that I've done I've realized I'm able to communicate with people of different niches mm-hmm. no matter what their background right I can I understand what it means from you know coming from a nine-to-five job then having your own business and having the different skills it just makes me more relatable to people and understand people a lot more because I've been there I've done that I understand where they're coming from but also learning that just because you come from that place and that's what you know doesn't mean that you can't change and learn other skills on your way as long as you're open to it and you're willing to learn it's completely possible yep What does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, personally and professionally? Okay, so personally, okay, I'm still really all about my health, right? So I know how important that is, especially when you have your own business. You've got to be on point because you are your business. Mm -hmm. And so I still have a personal trainer, you know, I still box, even though I'm not an MMA fighter, I still box um, and do like box fit and things like that. It's not intense, but it helps me with my workout and keeping fit, right? And also, as you know, boxing has a discipline side of it as well. So it keeps you disciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I have morning rituals. I make sure, you know, I keep on with the whole self-development side of it. I have a journal. Um, I like get up at 5.30 in the morning every day, make sure I have time to myself, um, do my exercises, drink water, try to try to eat healthy. I say try, that's like my weakness. Right? <laughs> this is my weakness. Um, and do all that good stuff just to make sure that I am on point. And the other thing is, you know, going through everything and all the different careers that, that I've had, I now have a story to tell people. Yeah, part of that is part of your journey, your story, and if I can do it, anyone can do it. That's true. It's just I think it's more mental than anything. Like you gotta be focused, and you have to, like you said, if you don't make it an obligation, you ain't gonna stick with it because we all have these dreams that we're going for, and who's keeping us on track on getting to that goal that we're wanting. So I think that's definitely a good mindset to have is you got to change how you're viewing it to know, is it a priority that you want? Right. And then the other thing is, I mean, I have so many people telling me that I'm nuts. I'm mad. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I have no clue. I need to come back to the real world. And that gave me an even bigger motivation to prove to them that I can. Mm-hmm. right so yeah. I used it as fuel that was that like, watch me do this right and every time I did it I was kind of like ah oh, screw you guys watch me <laughs> right <laughs> now it's got to a point where those same people are like if you've got an idea like 
we're not even going to put it past you no more. You're going to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it is about proving those people wrong. And the minute you do prove those people wrong, they're going to turn around and say to you, how the hell did you do that? Yep. Right. And that is such a freaking awesome feeling. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just keep going. The thing is, I love to push my limits, right? You have to push your limits to know what your capabilities are and coming out of that comfort zone. And so now I'm kind of, you know, I've got Uncensored Society. I then started my podcast. Again, this was not the plan to start my podcast, but people kept asking me, when are you launching a podcast? When is this happening? And I'm like, oh, shoot, I guess I better do this, right? (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things that scared me about podcasting was the editing. I'm not a technical person. Let me tell you this. When I was doing events and they told me to set up the speakers, I blew them up, right? (laughs) (laughs) do not try and get me to figure out tech because that's what I will do it happens right and so I was like oh my goodness it's editing like there's no way I can do this and I don't want to learn how to do this because in order to master a skill you need to put 10,000 hours into it and I would rather put 10,000 hours in the skills that I know what to do to make me money yep right And so then I started looking at, you know, different editing agencies and realized that there's a need. There's such a huge need when it comes to editing. Not only that, but also, you know, creating promotional materials in order to promote your podcast and your episodes. People think, oh, yeah, let me just, you know, edit my um, episode and you know put it out there and it's going to get a million views it doesn't work that way no (laughs) huge huge aspect of marketing that comes along with it and I found that a lot of people because they're doing it all themselves they're finding the guests they're doing the recording they're doing the editing they're doing the promotion they get burnt out and all of a sudden they stop their podcast because they're so burnt out Mm -hmm. and so because of that I decided Okay, there's a need here. It's, you know, people really, really need to get their head around editing and just start outsourcing it. So I started my own podcast editing agency called MakeYourMarkAgency.com. And on there, it's, you know, there's things on there to help people to launch their podcast if they're worried about the editing. We take care of that. There's people, if they want to scale their podcast, but doing it all themselves is stopping them and they're not able to scale Again, outsource that. Get us to do it. We're great at it. We love doing it, right? And it's not for everybody. And so getting it outsourced to someone else that knows what they're doing, that has a podcast themselves and can see where, you know, aspects are needed in this industry. Um, And that's where I kind of decided I'm going to now open up this agency to help podcasters out there to get themselves out there and learn that they don't need to get burnt out. There's other ways around it. You know, so there's, yeah, all these different aspects. But my number one goal, my ultimate goal that I'm reaching for is that I would love to open up a well-being resort for entrepreneurs. So somewhere in Thailand or Bali, somewhere exotic, you know, and then, you know, the swimming pools, you know, the palm trees and somewhere where they can go and relax, where they can network, they can you know, connect with other entrepreneurs, maybe even have, you know, create new partnerships with people, but somewhere where they can just go chill out, 
um, refresh themselves. You know, we'll have like detox juices. We'll have great food there, massages, you know, all these things that entrepreneurs need. But they tend to um, they tend to forget about looking after themselves. Yeah. Right? Because there's so much involved in their business that they forget that this is you've got to look after this. Without this, your business will not be working. And so I want to be able to promote that and let entrepreneurs go there with their families or on their own. Don't know families, kids that might even stress them out even more, right? They might not <laughs> want to bring their families with them, <laughs> but a place where they can just chill out. It's secluded um, and just kind of, you know, think about and reflect about themselves and where they're at and make sure they keep their bodies on point. Cause I've been there. I've done it. It could be horrible. <laughs> the final question I'll ask you, based on your journey and experience, for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Okay, so firstly, you got to understand the difference between opinion and advice. When you're first building your business, there's going to be so many people around you, right, that are in a nine-to-five job, yeah, or your mom and dad telling you, oh, no, you're not doing this right in your business. You should be doing this. Oh, no, you should be doing this. Why are you doing it that way? Keep in mind that they've never owned a business. They've never built a business. They don't know how it works. That is opinion. Learn to differentiate opinion and advice and let the opinions go over your head. Now, advice is going to somebody that's already making, say, a million dollars in their company and asking them, okay, what is it that you do or what have you done to make this happen? Mm -hmm. And then they give you a formula of the steps. That's advice. That's what you need, right? That's what you should soak up and implement into your business, not the opinions of others them trying to tell you what you should be doing when they've never done it themselves. Yep right um the other thing is i guess people have said to me that you know the biggest obstacle in the way is time i don't have time to build a business i want to build a business but i'm doing a nine-to-five job i have kids i've got to go home and i've got to cook and i've got to do this and i've got to do that and to me that's just excuses right because clearly it's not a big want for you yep. at that point. And so what I've done is I've actually created a mini program that I actually would love to give to your audience, if that's okay. It's oh, yeah. a free program. It's a mini program to get people started. And what happens here is it helps you identify the habits that are serving you and the habits that are no longer serving you. And so you sit there and you think about, you know, we work backwards. What is your goal within a year then what's your goal in six months and then three months right and then within a month and then how are we going to reach those goals within the month and um people say i need to do x y and z all right perfect and then where are you going to put the time i have no time to do it all right so let's look at what your daily routine is like and i've actually sat down with some of my clients and gone through this and what is shocking when I go through with them, I go through every single day, like what time do you get up? How long does it take you to get dressed, right? 
have your breakfast if you have breakfast and then your travel journey to work and then you work time and then your travel journey back and what time do you get home and then you got to cook and okay and then realize that they were watching <laughs> six hours of Netflix every single day <laughs> right and I'm like well how about that how about cutting it down to maybe two hours and using the rest of the time for your business but what's so funny is that they didn't even realize that they had these habits that they were actually doing this and so when we had it on black and white on paper and pointed it out they realized what habits were no longer serving them and what needed to be changed but it can only be changed once you become aware of it yeah right and so this is what this program does for you so if anyone's starting up, if anyone is having any trouble with, you know, not meeting the deadlines and having trouble with time, and you've got so many things going on, do this program because it's going to identify a lot of different things that you were probably not even aware of. That's going to bring it to light. And so you can start making those changes. Okay, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Alex, thank you so much for having me show. I've had so much fun. Tune in next time you hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.